Yeah, I think, you know, if you look at um, sort of NBA miles, college, um, college basketball miles, in a 25-year-old, your back's not going to be like a normal 25-year-old who hasn't done all of these activities. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Basketball Strong Podcast. I'm Tim DeFrancesco, former LA Lakers strength and conditioning coach and doctor of physical therapy, and I'm here with my co-host, Emmy-nominated writer and author, Phil White. This podcast is not just for basketball junkies. It's for anyone who loves to hear the human stories behind great people while learning the science behind preparing your body for the court and high performance. On today's episode, we welcome back Dr. Dan Karazi. Dr. Krasi and I overlapped in our time with the Lakers as he spent many years as one of the team physicians and orthopedic surgeons of the LA Lakers and is a renowned physician and orthopedic surgeon in the Southern California area through the Curlin Job Clinic system. Phil and I asked Dr. Karazi to join us to help us to understand and, and gain some insight into the microdiscectomy surgery that Ben Simmons has undergone and what is in store for him. Here are the key points that Dr. Karazi gets into within this conversation. First, he gets into the anatomy, the problem, and the procedure that Ben Simmons underwent. And then he covers the timeline and prognosis for a microdiscectomy surgery and gives us the answer to why he believes Ben Simmons didn't have this taken care of during his long layoff as he battled with the 76ers even before he got traded to the Nets. Beyond that, it was fascinating to hear Dr. Karazi give us the comparison to other NBA athletes who have had a microdiscectomy surgery, such as Dwight Howard. And if this is an indication for a player like Ben Simmons that he will have back issues down the road. To close the conversation, Dr. Krause shared how disc herniations can get worse and how exactly surgeons classify or categorize the severity of disc herniations And then finally leaves us with a myth bust about how many people who believe that microdiscectomies or back surgeries in general will mean that a person will never have back pain again. Let's get into the conversation. Doc, how's it going out there in sunny California? Sunny and nice, Tim. Thank you for asking. Absolutely. So with the Lakers out of the playoff race at this stage, not in the playoff mix. Are you, are you kind of subtly following the the Celtics? Is that kind of how you shift over when the Lakers are out? <laughs> that's, that's very funny, but no, I'm not following the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rooting for whoever plays the Celtics. <laughs> fair, fair enough. I, I must've got that one confused a little bit, but um, well, excited to have you on. And um, first I want to go into Ben Simmons and what is going on there in that surgery? So with a microdiscectomy, what happens is there's, uh, you know, the disc structure, which is what cushions the vertebral bodies in your back. Um, the portion that's like gelatinous called the, uh, you know, the annulus fibrosis is the fibrotic peripheral portion. And there's a gelatinous por- portion within the disc called the nucleus pulposus that can sometimes herniate through and cause irritation of the nerve roots that come out of the spine. Um, so the lower lumbar spine, as you know, sees a lot of the force in athletes with flexion, extension, or rotation. L4-5 and L5-S1 are the lower portions of the lumbar segment that transition into the sacrum. And sometimes from either weakness or injury, you can get a herniation of the disc fragments into the spinal canal area that because of the enzymes they produce, they can create uh, irritation of the nerves. 
when you have that irritation, it causes sometimes back pain associated with sometimes tingling and numbness down the leg as well as sometimes weakness. Um, when the nerve is pressed by on these fragments, one of the options is to go in surgically and remove the fragments that are adjacent to the nerve. Um, and what, um, what our patient had on, uh, I believe, three or four days ago, he actually had surgery here in Los Angeles uh, and underwent a microdiscectomy by Dr. Watkins, who is a specialist in the field of microdiscectomy and spine surgery. Mm, wow. At, at what point do you, I mean, is it every time that this is diagnosed through imaging where you see any level of disc insult or protrusion there that it's automatic that there's a surgery or how is that decision made that it's time for surgery? Yeah, it's really never automatic. And sometimes you'll see some disc degeneration, especially as your athletes get older. You know, a 17, 18, 19 to 25, 30-year-old athlete should have nice, healthy, robust discs that have good hydration. That means they have a good volume of fluid and water within the disc, which is what deems it healthy. But as obviously time goes on, sometimes the disc can have injuries and that herniated disc fragment creates the initial problem with the enzymes it releases. So it's never really just an MRI diagnosis. It's mostly Mm. actually um, a clinical diagnosis along with the MRI to support what your hypothesis is. Well, it's really interesting. Um, In the initial press release, the net stated that there was a kind of a three-week recovery period and then went on to say, you know, we expect to have Ben fully participate in training camp, best case. Could you talk a little bit about the kind of acute recovery stage from the surgery and then from there, you know, if that if that prognosis seems to be roughly with the timeline that you would expect for this kind of procedure? Yeah, and along the same lines, it's, it's the microdiscectum, just as the word infers, tends to be a minimally invasive surgery. So there's really no muscles cut or, you know, sort of, uh, you know, during the surgery, there isn't as much trauma as there would be um, in a major open surgery. So the recovery is fast. The soft tissue healing is generally two to three weeks, followed by obviously some core strengthening and rehab. Um, I wouldn't say that a patient's going to be game ready in three weeks. I think the initial healing has gone on. Don't forget when they remove the disc fragments, you have to allow the disc area to heal. Otherwise, there's obviously a risk of re-herniation of the disc. So you don't want to have a patient doing, you know, sit-ups and, you know, 4,000, you know, pull-ups and things like that right after this this kind of surgery. So the soft tissue healing is two to three weeks. And then generally the core rehab program takes about six to 12 weeks. So most patients by about three months should be significantly better than they were prior to surgery. Got it. Is it is it awkward for you as you sort of obviously look from afar at the case that he had this huge layoff due to other circumstances and the battle he had with the Sixers during that time? And then this all came to a head. And, and I think there's just some people that are wondering why wouldn't he have had this taken care of during that huge long layoff? Well, I think there were a few sort of complicating factors here. Number one, as you refer to, there was um, some time spent um, you know, on his psychological health, which obviously is very important, critical, I think, in, in competitive athletes. But also sometimes, you know, these disc problems don't present in the classic fashion. And mm. I don't know his exact details that, you know, what his symptoms were, what, when he was diagnosed, 
what the MRI showed. But the bottom line is, obviously, surgery is not your first line of treatment. Many of these, many of these disc issues are initially treated conservatively. But if the symptoms persist, then that's when you sort of cut to the chase and go to the surgery. And I'm aware that, um, you know, through the material published in the, um, in the, liter- in the uh, sports media that he had seen multiple doctors, but ultimately um, came under the care of Dr. Watkins and through consultation basically decided to proceed with it. So I think part of it is the fact that there were other confounding issues like the psychiatric health that needed to be addressed. But obviously if that's a, at a point, if it's hindering his functional state as an athlete, you basically have to fix the problem for him to go back to normal. And and in the NBA, as you guys are both aware, there have been others who've had similar surgeries. I think uh, one of the Lopez brothers had it recently, also with Dr. Watkins. What, uh, it was about, oh, I don't know, five or ten years ago when um, one of the Lakers had it. Um, Dwight Howard had it. So. Right. Um, and, and those patients have done well. The, the, the beauty of this whole thing is if it's a micro disc protrusion through the herniated disc sort of creating irritation of the nerve, once it's addressed, it's a fairly successful surgery. So hopefully once he's addressed all of his health issues, he'll be in tip-top shape to go uh, you know, for his opening season next year. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned earlier, Doc, that you know younger Folks, including younger athletes, typically have pretty robust disc structures. Um, what could you say about possibly the, you know, the loads maybe from the rigors of the NBA over just a few years that may have led to somebody at the age of Ben Simmons, this kind of mid twenties age, having this sort of problem? Yeah, I think you know if you look at um, sort of NBA miles, college, um, college basketball miles. In a 25-year-old, your back's not going to be like a normal 25-year-old who hasn't done all of these activities. Um, having done a lot of the NBA combines, I think some of them, but Tim, he may have been there. Um, when, when we see athletes in their early 20s, which is when they come into the combine, typically we see some minor disc changes. Very infrequently do we see disc herniations. Mm. Um, and even more infrequently, we see athletes at that level who've actually had back surgery. Um, but... It, it's not common, but it is well documented that disc issues can arise. I think he either had a buildup of many sort of microtraumatic causes that caused this herniation, or they may have been one incident that he basically had something happen that caused this. Obviously, um, when it's one incident, sometimes the, the sudden pain and the sudden MRI findings push you quicker towards fixing it. One of the delays may have been that this is sort of built up over time. They've tried, you know, potentially epidurals, which is one of the treatments for herniated discs, some injections, physical therapy, and anti-inflammatories. Once those did not work, then they basically deferred to the surgical option. Yeah. Do you feel like at, you brought up Dwight Howard and he was a bit further along in his career at that point. I know when, when he came to us, we were, programming for him based off of the end stage rehab as he returned. But the fact that he was a little bit further along, a little older into his career, is it concerning to you at all that, like you said, not, it's not abnormal to have players of Ben's age have imperfect discs, but to then have a surgery, is that something that is just a little bit, we have to keep an eye on for him down the road? 
Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, they're going to keep a close eye on that. I mean, I think core strengthening and making sure that his mechanics are right um, is going to be a part of his future to make sure that there's no re-injury. But as I also mentioned, these are very successful surgeries, yeah. especially in younger patients. So although he has to have a close eye kept on it, I don't think it means that his career is cut short or his um, you know, availability to play during the season is cut short. So I think those are both positives as far as his recovery goes. Yeah. One of the things that I uh, am faced with with general population folks that I work with who have had this surgery and then come back is maybe a, um, a false expectation that because I'm having the surgery, it means I'll never have back pain again. Can you kind of touch on that a little bit? Absolutely. So that is a myth. It is not true. Right. Obviously, you know, this, the surgery corrects a structural abnormality, but it does not prevent injury at that level or other levels. I think just as you tell your general population and as we tell our athletes, obviously the strengthening and the um, overall shape of your back long-term is what determines whether you have a re-injury or not. I think certainly um, athletes that play at Ben Simmons level have a sl- you know obviously a higher risk of injury as Ben has in such a young age. But the good news is once you fix the structural problem and if they take care of their physiotherapy and strengthening core exercises, he should be in pretty good shape. Yeah. And, and also fair to say that a younger person and a person coming in at a fairly high fitness and strength level has a little bit of an advantage. And this can be sort of spread further into the general population. You don't have to be an NBA athlete to have be at an advantage going into the surgery to be better off going on the other side of it. But just the fact of going into a surgery like this, being more fit and more prepared physically ahead of time does help you on the backside of that. Correct? Absolutely. His youth is on his side. And the fact that he, you know, I I truly believe that just athletes that play at that level are, are built differently. They're built with, you know, extra muscle mass, extra strength, and they're just, you know, um, a different sort of protoplasm. But that being said, I truly believe that his youth is going to help him out a lot. And certainly the fact that he's so athletic and strong will help him a lot. I love it. That's encouraging. Yeah, for sure. Um, TD, not to take us on too much of a tangent, but we've talked a little bit before about how sometimes when a player has a long period of activity like Simmons had and then is trying to get, in this case, what was playoff ready, which is obviously a new level of intensity even compared to the regular season, and sometimes how creating that delta between, you know, keeping in shape as best he's able to, to go into, you know, three on three, five on five, that kind of thing, that even with all the right steps, that sometimes just that that gap or that delta between where he was and where he needed to be to be truly playoff ready can, you know, either create or contribute to a, a problem like this or indeed the likelihood of any injury. Do you want to comment on that real quick? Yeah, I, I think that, and that, that was really the whole reason why we did a Ben Simmons uh, a report uh, as it became apparent that he was traded to the Nets, that they were working towards seeing if they were going to make it into the playoffs, could he play potentially, and they were sort of suggesting that that would happen. And what we talked about in that is, hey, just a couple things to be heads up on when you, even with a young and relatively theoretically healthy athlete, pro athlete, 
still the human body is the human body and a spike in workload ramping up of a new stimulus for him. I don't believe to my knowledge, he was playing a lot of five on five during that entire layoff. And then suddenly he had to prepare for it at a NBA playoff level. And when you have that spike and, and, and doc, you can touch on this a little bit because I'm, I'm curious of what your thoughts are, but especially with back stuff, the, the spike in workload of a new stimulus can be really jarring. And he did have a history of disc issue in the past that, that can just be the, the thing that is sort of what puts it over the edge and, and tips the scales to, to a flare up and then requiring ultimately what, what we saw with surgery. We don't know. I wasn't there and in, in, in any of those rehab settings that or, or return to play settings that he was in. So hard to say, but that is, reasonable to to think that that was part of what could have triggered something like this. Yeah. And my comment on that is that as you sort of ramp it up with activities, sometimes through just time or sometimes through activities, a two millimeter disc protrusion or herniation can become a four millimeter to a six millimeter. And certainly mm. there's diagnostic imaging that you can do. And depending on the symptoms, subsequent MRIs may have shown further injury that sort of prompted them to proceed with the surgery. So you're absolutely right. There's a threshold beyond which the surgery is more likely to help. And that a lot of times depends on the level of the herniation. So in general, so you guys are aware, we rank herniations of the disc one to two millimeters. That's considered fairly small. Two to three millimeters is the small. And then three to four millimeters is moderate. And then beyond five millimeters is generally considered um, a uh, more serious uh, disc herniation. Got it. Got it. Well, it sounds like his youth and the fact that they've been able to go in and address the, the, what hopefully was the main culprit of things is, is all in on his side. And we see a, hopefully see a successful return. I know that it appears to me that the Nets could definitely use him. It sounds like you were probably rooting for the Nets doc as they matched up with the Celtics, but um <laughs> I, I just like the Nets because I like Steve Nash, but that's, you know, he was a Laker. I formed a bond with him. I really like him. I know his kids. And so for me, that was just a personal thing. It was nothing against you, Tim. <laughs> you know, that, that created a big, uh, I was torn during that series with, with my allegiance to Steve Nash and, and their head athletic trainer, Sebastian Poirier, who was an intern of mine way back in the day. And so had lots to root for on, uh, on both sides, but um, the Nets sure could use them as they try to uh, retool and get ready for next season. I'm so thrilled we could catch you between surgeries and, uh, and, and find some time to soak up your insights. And I'll be watching the South game tonight i'll text you if there's a any injuries or it be if they if they take the lead well hopefully they're injury free that's all i can say (laughs) (laughs) thanks doc this was great you're welcome tim thank you for joining us today if you enjoyed today's show and we hope you did please give us a good review on apple podcasts or whichever platform you listen to podcasts on And so you never miss a weekly episode, be sure to subscribe and follow. You can find previous episodes on our show website. That's www.basketballstrongpodcast.com. For more basketball performance resources and nagging injury solutions, follow me on Instagram at TDAthletesEdge and follow Phil at PhilWhiteBooks. Until next week's episode, stay basketball strong. (laughs) 